0: My name is Erin Macri, and I am a member of the BJSM editorial team. It is my pleasure today to introduce Professor Jens Olsen and Sinead Holden. Professor Olsen is a rheumatologist and sports medicine physician currently located at the Center for Almond Medicine at Aalborg University. His research focuses on tendon and fascia tissue adaptation to loading and the use of ultrasound examination in tendon and fascia pathology. Dr Holden is a senior researcher at the Center for General Practice in Aalborg where she is co-founder and research coordinator for the OptiYouth research group focused on optimizing physical health in youth. Her research aims to increase understanding of musculoskeletal injuries and pain in youth to identify those at increased risk for developing chronic MSK problems. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. So can we start today? We're going to be talking about Osgood-Schlatter's disease, and I thought maybe you could start by just giving the reader a little bit of a background on how currently we're typically diagnosing Osgood-Schlatter's disease.
1: Yeah, I can I can start with that. Um, and at the moment, uh, it's more a clinical uh, diagnosis. So the, the, the doctor or the, or the physiotherapist are examine the the patient and they can see probably that there's a swelling around the uh, toborositas of the tibia uh, and the patient often will re- say that they have some pain in that area
2: um,
1: but that's normally a clinical uh, examination.
0: So imaging is not normally done currently in clinical settings?
1: Not currently. Sometimes you go in and use uh, the imaging, uh, but mainly uh, if you want to, or you expect that there could be some differential uh, diagnosis for the patient. So it's not uh, something we normally do.
0: And following a diagnosis of Osgood-Schlatter's, how is it typically being managed
2: um, well, I think how it's typically being managed is pretty variable. Um, so one thing we we have done in our group is a, a survey of uh, over 250 healthcare practitioners asking them how they managed it. And what we can see is everything is being used um, from stopping them with sports activity to pain management to stretching.
1: It also depends on what kind of profession you are. Uh, if you're a rheumatologist, you sometimes have uh, some approach, and if you're an orthopedic surgeon, then you might be doing something else.
0: And what do you think the main messages that patients are being told as far as prognosis?
1: Most of the patients, at least also what we could see from the, our study, is that they are told that this is a benign. Uh, disease and they uh, probably will be back and without any pain within a 6 months period.
0: Okay. Can you introduce us to the cohort that you studied here on Osgood-Sladder's disease?
2: Yeah, well we have um, a, a group of 51 adolescents who we've been looking at with Osgood-Sladder and that's also been um, done in combination with 151 uh, with PFP and both of those were recruited uh, within the age range of 10 to 14 years old we also have a control group that we've been looking at alongside the two of them as well.
0: Great. And just for the listener who isn't familiar, PFP is?
2: Oh, sorry, patellofemoral pain. So you started this group
0: with uh, an intervention, but you used a treatment that was similar to what they've used in patellar tendon management, is my understanding. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
2: So I think first, it's important to clarify uh, the current available evidence we have for treatment of osgood sladder is not very good. We did a systematic review together with uh, Ben Dean in Oxford on patellar tendon related pain. And there's only one randomized control trial looking at osgood sladder treatment, um, which is looking at injections. And there was a, a retrospective cohort looking at surgical treatment. So at the moment, we don't have any literature on any conservative intervention for osgood sladder despite they are all being used in clinical practice.
0: And so what treatment approach did you decide to use in this study?
2: So the the main focus of the treatment approach was an activity modification approach. We had successfully implemented that in patellofemoral pain in um, the 150 adolescents because we can see that these kids are really highly active and we think it's uh, one of the main risk factors for developing uh, Osgood-Sladder. And we have we it's just been accepted in the American Journal of Sports Medicine in PFP, where we had really good uh, success rates. So we modified the intervention um, for specifically for Osgood Slatter and it's also combined with a strengthening program as well and the main reason for including the strengthening component was because we could see that the osgood Slatter kids had really really big deficits in quadriceps strength compared to both pfp and controls
1: you were referring it as a, a patellite uh, tendon treatment and it's a bit different it's like a, a hybrid between what we are doing with the um, uh, the pfp uh, patient and and then combining it with the strength uh, uh, program as we do for the patellar tendon, so it's mm-hmm. like combining two, two uh, treatments.
0: What do you think is similar or different among patellar tendonitis, patellofemoral pain, and osgood slatters that lends itself to this patellofemoral load management approach?
1: The, some of the, the similarities between those diseases that it's it's uh, and for most of them it's an overload. Uh, disease and uh, there is um, some overlap if we look at the Slater disease uh, we know that there is uh, theres changes around the, the bone area uh, that epiphysis, but we can also see that there is some tendon involvement so uh, it's uh, it's like a juvenile <laughs> tendinopathy uh, at least some of it uh, and
2: We collected uh, Actigraph data within the ephemeral and the osgood slatter to measure their physical activity and both of the groups are doing on average two hours of vigorous physical activity every day so they are super super active which is a similarity but i think between these two conditions anyway one of the the biggest differences is regarding the pain localization because with pfp we can see a very diffuse pain presentation whereas with um osgood slatter it's very very localized and within um the uh, a five-year cohort of adolescents with patellofemoral pain and other types of knee pain, we can see that those with patellofemoral pain actually also have pain other places where it's not really a profile that we are seeing in those with osgood Slatter who they have a very localized presentation of pain.
1: I see that that's similar to the patella tendinopathy as we see for the the more uh, older uh, patient groups.
0: Yeah, great. So tell me a little bit more about what you did for treatment with this group and what the basic results were, and then maybe we could also talk about how they fared in the long term after the treatment.
2: Yeah, so the basic approach was an activity modification. I think if you read all the... critical statements within the literature one thing that is agreed is that it's it's loading related and that some degree of activity modification is necessary but how much we should do that is is debatable so within the first four weeks they were actually restricted from sports participation and then um, they were exposed to a gradual loading program where they were doing isometric strengthening And after those four weeks then they had an activity ladder which would then progress them up levels of activities uh, to guide them into a return to sport. So it was to give them a, a pathway and a means to actually get back into sport because that was what was most important to them in terms of outcomes.
0: Just to clarify the activity ladder, is that the exact same activity ladder that I spoke about with Michael Rathleff when I interviewed him a year
2: or so ago with patellofemoral pain? No, it's, it, it's, it's not the same activity ladder. The premise is the, is the same in that um, they had the pain scale where if pain was below three then this was considered an acceptable level of pain um, but the progression through the, the ladder was, was slightly different. The activities within it were modified for Osgood's ladder. Can you tell me about the results of that study? Yeah, so overall, um, the, the main outcome that we were interested in looking at is one that we've used in PFP before as well. It was a global rating of change. So they rated how much they felt they had improved. And we categorized them as having a successful outcome if they said that they were improved or much improved. And we saw across the board quite high rates of successful outcome um, when looking at that uh, outcome. But we obviously also had collected um, self-report measures of COOS, uh, the knee osteoarthritis outcome scale, and whether or not they actually did return to sport, which was their desired outcome. And when we look at those outcomes, uh, it wasn't really as favorable. So at 12 months follow-up, one year post uh, beginning the intervention, nearly one in three weren't back playing sport, despite they all said that they had a desire to do that. Yeah,
1: and um, Another thing we're we're looking at. We were trying to subgroup uh, the the patients, and uh, there we did an ultrasound examination of the knee. You uh, can do a, a grading of how se- how the changes uh, are at the at the knee, and and um, quite interesting. Uh, it seems like uh, that the most severe changes uh, with the ultrasound, where we both see changes with the bone, with the tendon, but also a, a bursitis in the area. Those patients were the ones who uh, still uh, suffered from uh, pain after uh, uh, two years. And that's quite novel also for uh, the usage of uh, ultrasound because it's more like a, you know, a diagnostic uh, tool, but it's not that good to tell us something about how the prognosis is. But uh, it seems like for at least, uh, or there's some indication for uh, Osgood-Schlatter that we might be able to use ultrasound as a valuable tool for saying something about the prognosis for the patients.
0: And so in general, I know you've done a couple of studies now looking at prognostic factors, not only in this cohort, but in a couple of other studies. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about um, what is the prognosis in Osgood-Schlatter's disease over time?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, I guess we were inspired by, by the results of the intervention, whereas they, they said they were improved, but some of them actually seemed to, to still have pain. And when we look at the knee osteoarthritis outcome score, our control groups generally score above 90 across the board. Um, and despite being improved in their symptoms at 12-month follow-up, the Oswestry Slatter group weren't getting back up to the same level. So that inspired us to uh, follow them up at a two-year follow-up and see how many were actually still reporting pain. Because traditionally in the literature, it says that it's gonna last between six and 12 months. These are generally the, the guides that are given. And already at inclusion at baseline, they had quite a long pain duration. So we finished the two year follow-up and nearly 40% of them reported that they still had Osgoode slider related pain. Now, the severity is quite variable. Not all of them were having daily or weekly pain, but. A certain proportion at least were still two years later impeded from participating in their sports activities and we could see again at that they had lower uh, this coup sport and recreation um scores and they had lower health related quality of life as well to follow up on that we had also uh, started a, a retrospective study uh, based at the orthopedic department here at alberg university hospital um where we um included all patients that were diagnosed with Osgood-Sladder over a six-year period there. And we uh, contacted them and also wanted to see how many of them still had pain. And we actually had a a much higher proportion there. 60% were still reporting pain. And we asked them to indicate where it was and it was on the patellar tendon or around the tibial tuberosity indicating it was Osgood-Sladder-related pain. And that was at a a median follow-up of four years since they were seen in the orthopedic department. So I think what this really, really underscores is that it is not self-limiting. And despite there hasn't been a huge amount of literature on this in the past, the, the literature that is there actually indicates that the message that we are sending might not be the real message. There was a study that was done in uh, 1990 by Krauss, also in an orthopedic department, and it's very descriptive because it's an old study, but they actually brought the patients back in for reassessment and they described that 25%, uh, so one in four, had additional continuous symptoms at a nine-year follow-up. So this is into adulthood. Now they don't really define what additional continuing symptoms are but at least some of them are having problems and 60% of them are having pain on kneeling obviously on the tibial tuberosity. And again it was very very descriptive but they noted that any of them who did not have abnormalities um, on the tibial tuberosity at baseline were actually asymptomatic at follow-up. And I think that's something which is um, not really been acknowledged very well previously that now that's an old study but it actually aligns well with what we're finding in our cohort as well that there's there's potentially two different outcomes some that don't do so well that are um, impeded from participating in sports and some that that will have a a good outcome and that it will be self-limiting.
0: So I'm a clinician what do I need to do to assess and treat my patient, what should I be telling them, and how should I be approaching their Osgood-Schlatter's disease?
1: Still, you need to do a, a good thorough uh, clinical examination and, and get the diagnosis that way. You might consider using some uh, ultrasound for a prognosis, but that's uh, that's uh, still to be be looked at. Uh, but I think a major or something really important to, t- to tell the patient is that this is something you have to uh, be, what you call, it. You, you have to t- take care of it. It, it can uh, probably t- take some time before you are without any pain uh, in that area. So it's not like it's five or six months without any football or whatever, and then you're, you're ready to, to play. So it, it, it can take some time.
2: I think also based on on the the results on the strength deficits that we've seen, and also a study published in KSSTA by Kaya in 2013 showed um, like significantly impaired uh, single limb jumping performance. If they do want to get back to sport, maybe doing some sort of strengthening is a sensible approach. And I think just to underscore a lot um, of the data on the current management was that the healthcare practitioners were ag- acutely addressing pain management. So. To telling them to ice it and to abstain from sport and um, maybe take some paracetamol or things like that and if it is a long-standing complaint which is lasting in some cases for four years where they're not able to participate in sports, then an acute management program isn't really going to cut it. And if you're, for example, a general practitioner, it would be good to perhaps schedule a follow-up consultation to make sure, are they modifying their activity? Are they progressing it? How are they doing? Or have they just completely stopped because they can't do anything?
0: Great. So if I were to summarize what you just said, make sure that I've got you, It's advisable for me to tell my patient that this may not be the self-limiting condition we once thought it was, and then to do some follow-up with the patient to make sure that this isn't an acute condition that's going to to, to recover so that we can actually involve them in um, more of a load management strengthening type program if it turns out to be something that's more chronic. Uh, Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, both of you, Yins and Sinead. And thanks to you, the listeners of BJSM Podcast, for joining us. We hope you have a physically active day.